week, we are in week three of our series entitled Compassion Culture, Canceling Cancel Culture with the Language of Love. In the last couple weeks, we've been unpacking uh, this idea of what it means to truly love people in a culture that would rather silence those with whom they disagree. We live in a culture where if you find yourself at odds with somebody or you have different beliefs or you find yourself on different you know, sides of the aisle or whatever you know, moniker you want to put on it, people's desire is just to cancel one another out and to silence those people uh, that they struggle to have relationship with. And we understand that cancel culture, we defined it the last couple weeks, but it's really basically the act of withdrawing support for people when they've said or done something that we find offensive, that we find despicable. Um, we want to cancel them out. We want to, you know, cease to have relationship or influence uh, from those people. And one of the things that we had defined as these two main premises uh, that come out of cancel culture, and those are, I'm right and you can't change. We talked about the, 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 the damaging components of that type of a thought process, where when we walk through life and we say, you know what, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And you can't change, so if you've messed up in life, well, that's just your lot. You can't change. There's no redeeming you. And when we, when we believe that the, 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 that the world exists that way, it can put us in a very, very dangerous place to see that there is no value or redeeming quality in people. There's no value in relationship. And it gets easier and easier and easier to step away from relationship with people. It gets easier and easier and easier to go home and not desire to have any interaction with anyone. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about compassion and our need to, at, at times, learn to agree to disagree. Understand that we have opinions and thoughts and beliefs and convictions, and there's going to be people that, if you spend enough time in life, who are going to disagree with you. And who are going to have different opinions. And who are going to have different beliefs. And are going to find yourself in separate places in the midst of a conversation. And then last week, our conversation centered around our need to offer compassion to ourselves. Really, in order for us to be able to truly experience God's love. If we can't understand that God desires relationship with us, and that because he does, he sent his son to die on a cross, to be resurrected again so that we could have relationship with him and that he offers us forgiveness freely when we ask, then we may find ourselves in a place where we do things and we say things and we are unable to forgive ourselves. And so we've got to find the value of compassion for ourselves so then that we can show compassion and love to others because it's impossible to do so when you're carrying around the unforgiveness of self. One of the most powerful and tangible ways of offering compassion comes from a willingness to selflessly serve other people. It's truly the picture of compassion. Compassion is actually defined as the desire to struggle alongside of or suffer together with others. 
And there's endless opportunities to serve and bless the people around us if we're willing to pay attention. Because so often in life, we find ourselves just kind of blowing through our days and missing out on what's happening right in front of our face. The reality of showing compassion through the power of serving is that it rarely costs us more than our time, our attention, and and, and perhaps our energy. But too often, we get wrapped up in what's happening, the stresses of the day, the worries, the concerns, and we miss those opportunities that are right in front of us. So as we can continue our conversation today, I want us to begin by looking at Jesus' own words as it pertains to selflessly serving people. Today's called No Strings Attached. So as we look at compassion, keep that in mind. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 is our text for the day. If you'd like to flip there, you can. Um, if you have your mobile device, you can jump on the Uversion Bible app and follow along with us there. Just search events, neighborhood church. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, we have Bibles out in the lobby, so please grab one. Those are free and for our free gift to you. We want you to be able to be in the Word throughout the week. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has just finished this, this teaching, the Beatitudes. And he's given direction to people on how to live. And then he comes to the place of challenging us and encouraging us in the ways in which we should live. He says in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you've not only redeemed us, you've not only called us out of a life of sin into a life of relationship with you, but God, you've called us to be salt and to be light. You've called us to be those, those type of people who step into an evil world, and desire to make a difference for your kingdom. So, Father, we ask that you'd help us today. We ask that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd challenge us to understand and see the hurt that is often right in front of our face. God, help us to be your people, called by your name. and Help us, Lord, to live out your call to be salt and light. Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus speaks of our need to be salt and light, to share God's love and compassion in everything we say and do. Salt and light. You know, the, the, the light component certainly makes sense. Right? Throughout Scripture, we see evil compared to darkness. We see sin compared to blackness and darkness. And we see light as as the gospel. We see our call to live our lives in such a way that we're shining our light 
before men, before women. So the light component makes sense, you know, understanding the spiritual darkness. But we're called not just to shine the light of Jesus, but we're called to be the light of Jesus. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. It's not just a, hey, let's show up and take a flashlight and kind of poke it around where all the sin and the, and the evil is and just kind of show everybody what's going on. No. God has called us literally to step into a world that is dark and to be the light by the way that we live our lives. So we get the light, but the call to be salt is a little bit more confusing. You, know, you put too much salt on your food, it's like, right? And if you're, you're, you know, your wife or your spouse puts too much salt on the food, you just go, it's really good. Tastes great. Right? But salt is quite literally a preservative when it comes to food, and it's used in cooking to enhance flavors, bring out flavors. And when we love and serve us, we are literally preserving Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost. And we'll also be sure to influence and enhance the world around us. So this call to be salt allows us to step into a dying world and to influence it, to make it better, to make it more like what God does, would desire for it to be. And it is true that it requires immense intentionality to really serve people the way in which Jesus desires we would. It's not just I wake up and, hey, I'm serving people. Everything's great. And we do it one day, but I don't want to do, I don't want to do it tomorrow. You know, maybe the next day I'll, I'll feel like serving people. No, we are called to be the light of the world. And God is challenging us to serve the people around us. The question naturally becomes, do we have space in our lives to serve others? Do we have space? I remember there was a, a time in my life in a previous season when I was serving as an administrator of a Christian school, and my schedule was crazy. It was just, it was just busy. <laughs> and there was, there was a season there where I literally had so many meetings that I would, I would walk out of a meeting into another meeting, and then out of that meeting into the next meeting, and it was just meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And I, I, I didn't even have any time to, to, to de debrief we had talked about. And as a consequence, over time, I would go into these wonderful, purposeful meetings, and then I'd come out of them, and I wouldn't do anything because I wasn't taking the time to take the information we had talked about and jot down some action steps and some strategic initiatives, and we need to do this, and we need to do that, and I need to communicate with this person. And so I had to pull back, and I had to realize I've got to create some space or none of these meetings are going to mean anything because nothing's going to get accomplished. And I had to change the way that I was approaching my day. We have to ask ourselves, do we have space in our lives to serve people? Because in order to really embody Jesus' command 
to let our light shine before the world, we need to understand the call to serve with compassion. And there's a few realities that we need to embrace. The first being a daily desire to serve people is far better than waiting for a big event. You find it to be true that we often wait for someone or or for the church to plan a big event, big outreach effort, before we're willing to step into meaningful service? Why is that? Somebody else has got to plan this out, and and then I'll step up and do something. Oh, the church has got this big service project in June, and it's going to be amazing, and we'll do that, and I'll serve then. Oh, so-and-so, you know, Love Inc. over there, they, they want to do this thing, and they're going to be, do this ministry to these people, and I want to be a part of that. I'll serve then. The reality becomes the daily desire to serve is far more impactful. You know, these are important opportunities, these big events where we, we bind ourselves together and we work with other churches or other organizations or other people that we wouldn't normally be, you know, come together. And we can accomplish something bigger. Maybe there's a, a bigger impact that we make. But we can also miss the small acts of kindness that make all the difference in the world for the people that are right in front of our faces. And this daily discipline of serving people will create the opportunity for meaningful and potentially life-changing transformation to take place when we're just obedient and willing to step out, even in the most mundane aspects of our lives. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple. Love your neighbor as yourself. When was the last time we went outside of our house to our neighbor? When was the last time we talked on the street corner? to really understand what our neighbors are doing and what they're going through and what they're enduring. It was the last time we pressure washed off our driveway and then went next door and started doing theirs. Or maybe mowed their beauty strip for them. There's a lot of practical things we can do, and we don't have to look far to find people in need. You just don't. There's people who are hurting all over. And sometimes it's a... It's a practical need like yard work or let me help you with this or you're changing your oil. Let me crawl under there and get the filter out for you. It can be a gift of time or energy or a special skill that you possess. Sometimes the things that you do well that other people need can be a great blessing. It can be as simple as an encouraging phone call or a text. You know that it makes all the difference in the world when God places somebody in your head or in your heart and you pick up the phone and you say, you know what? I was just thinking about you. I don't know what's going on, but I, I just wanted to call and see how you're doing. I could change somebody's entire day, week, month, year, 
when we're just willing to step out with compassion. It can be a willingness to stop what you're doing to pray with someone. There were years of my life that I'm embarrassed to say when somebody was standing right in front of me and saying, Dan, man, I'm really struggling. I'm really going through a tough season. It's been challenging. I'm enduring this. There's, I'm really struggling to see which end is up. And I remember I would say, I'll be praying for you. And they're standing right here. I'll pray for you later. Not right now, because that would be crazy. And I remember the Spirit of God saying, what is wrong with you? They're right in front of you. And you have the opportunity to show my love and to be a blessing. And you're saying you're going to do it later? And I felt convicted. And from that moment forward, I said, there's, there's never going to be a time that I'm going to be too embarrassed, too busy too, to stop and pray right now. And it's hard. When somebody's hurting and they're standing in front of you and you're in the grocery store and you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to say, I should pray with them now. I should, I should care for them now. But we have to be willing to stop to give space. So the question becomes, do we have the willingness to see a need and then to serve that need? Because that's what it takes, is understanding that the daily discipline of loving people will make all the difference in the world. The second thing is this, true service desires nothing in return. Truly serving people means there are no strings attached. Yep, you owe me one. No. The greatest acts of compassion come when we see someone in need and are willing to serve them with no expectations of repayment or anything in return. Gretchen and I were so blessed as we prepared to move back to Albany. We had been in, in transition as we came back to Neighborhood Church. and We'd been living in Kaiser. And so when we got our house, we had to pack things up, and we had a rental house full of stuff with a garage full of stuff with a storage unit full of stuff. We had 22 years of stuff. There was a lot of stuff. Just put it that way. More stuff than we need to have. I proposed that we have a garage sale before we moved, um, and that didn't happen. We had it after we moved everything down. So anyway, that's a whole different conversation. But we were so grateful because we needed help, especially because my dumb thumb was broken and I was in a splint. And, and, and the doctor was saying, don't be lifting more than one to two pounds, of which I completely obeyed. Yet. But we had people who came alongside of us, and they came up to Kaiser, and they helped us pack up our truck. You know, Pastor Matt was, was like the Tetris king, just getting everything in there, and it was just packed solid. And then we got, we got down here to Albany, and we had this just massive group of people descend on our home. And I mean, before I could blink, 
stuff's coming out of the truck and it's going into the house. And, you know, Gretchen and Leah thought we should get this double-decker washing machine, you know, that's got the drum on the bottom and then it's got the delicates one on top. And it weighs 6,000 pounds. Yeah, we had to get that upstairs. Thankfully, thought we were going to lose some people in the process. We didn't. We had these, all these people come and they just selflessly took our stuff and got it. And, hey, where do you need to put this? Where do you want this? Where do you want this? This weighs 6,000 pounds, but where do you want me to put it? And it was so in- incredibly amazing to see people just pour out of themselves. We had an amazing group who helped us uh, with some yard work at Lafayette Elementary. We had a call from Lafayette this week. They said, hey, kids are coming back to school. Flower beds don't look so great. You guys have anybody who can help us out? We threw out a little fleece, and maybe there was a handful of people that came over, and we went out there and weeded. It's not perfect, but it's better. It's being willing to do something knowing that maybe nobody will even notice. Maybe nobody will even see. Maybe they will. We had a couple of teachers come out and say, thank you guys so much. But there's something special about doing things for other people where we often get more from it than they do. Have you ever found that to be true? When you serve somebody, you get more from it than maybe they even do? I remember when I was young, I love to go to my friend's house. Probably not too dissimilar to anybody else in this place. But I love to go and hang out with my friends. I loved going to their house. I didn't want them to come to my house. That's boring. I wanted to go to their house. And I remember sometimes when I would, when I would go, inevitably, I'd walk in and I'd hear my friend's mom say, Hey, you, before you guys do anything, you get the dishes done. And I remember my friend would be like, I'd say, hey, let's get this done. And I'd grab the sponge and start, you know, going to town on it. It's like, hey, we can get this done. It'd be quick. We'll just get it done and we can go hang out. Da, da, da. And I never minded helping my friends out with the dishes. But if my mom and dad asked me to do the dishes, I'm pretty sure at that moment I needed a root canal. Because I never wanted to do our dishes. But it's the reality of the desire that God has given us to serve people. Is if we truly step into it with love, it's not often very burdensome. Colossians 3.12, Paul encourages us and challenges us to have this same mindset of selflessness. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Literally clothe yourself. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience so that we can be the light of the world. As God has chosen us, we must be willing to be full of compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. The reality is God has placed us exactly where we are in order to impact the people around us. Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, whatever you do is no accident. 
God has placed you there. As he placed Esther in the palace for such a time as this, he's placed you exactly where you are. You may look at your season and go, why, God, am I here? What in the world? He's put you there for a purpose. And the early church understood this well. They understood community. They understood compassion. They understood service. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Listen to this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Did you hear that? All the believers were together and had everything in common. Why is it that we look at the things that we have different? Why is it that we elevate our differences and our disagreements over our commonalities? And instead of doing relationship and instead of leaning into serving, being compassionate, we step back and say, ah, I don't know if I like the way that person thinks. I don't think I like the way that person believes. And yet God is saying, no, 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 no. I've created all of you in my image. Every one of you is my child. God has placed you exactly where you are. Pastor of uh, Northway Christian Community, his name's Paul Hunter, he said it this way, the model of the early church also shows us we are to love the larger community in which we find ourselves. I firmly believe our lives are not a collection of random circumstances. Rather, the Lord graciously places us in our jobs, neighborhoods, and communities to make an impact. God has placed you exactly where you are. God has placed you next to that neighbor who's sometimes hard to live with, and their dogs bark too loud. God has placed you in that school next to that kid who's hard to sit next to because they're crazy and they're always doing something nutty. God has placed you in your job, in your workplace. So the natural question becomes, where has God placed you? Ask yourself, where has God placed you? Your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, your apartment complex. Where has God placed you uniquely? Who in your sphere is needing to experience the love of Jesus? today because if we desire to show compassion and love we'll look outside of what we need to the people that God has placed around us so we've got to understand that the desires and disciplines to serve people are far more important and the true service desires nothing in return final thought is this The greatest sign of a follower of Jesus is found in how they serve others. That's all Jesus did, is he went from place to place to place, serving people. 
I think sometimes we, we get in our minds that, that Jesus was like this big televangelist. And he, you know, he showed up with his big old entourage of people. And he was like, hey, where's, where's the green room? Where's my waiting room? I, I need to make sure that you've got only green M&Ms set out for me. And I like my bottled water at room temperature. So if you can make sure all those things are attended to. That was not how Jesus, Jesus was going from place to place, just loving people, just serving their needs, healing people, encouraging people, having lunch with those with whom nobody else would have lunch with. He was constantly serving people. And as the world becomes increasingly self-centered and self-absorbed, compassionate service breaks through the noise of our culture. As we see people wanting to cancel everyone out, you did this and you said that and you believe this and your political affiliate, boom, we're done. I I can't do it anymore. I don't even want to hear you talk because it boils my blood. Our culture is moving more and more and more to isolation, to ostracizing people, And if we allow ourselves to exist in that, then we'll just pull back and draw the shades and shut the garage door and lock all the the locks and never, never go outside of ourselves to love people. People are too busy right now trying to fix the way that other people think. They often miss the hurt that's right before their eyes. Let me fix you. And then once I fix you, then I, can, then I can love you. When did we get it in our heads that God's desire is we would fix everyone's problems? When did we start thinking that God put us on this earth to fix people? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't say anywhere in Scripture, hey, go and fix people all over, and then baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. I said, go make disciples. Go and love people. Go show compassion. Jesus is clear in John 13, verse 34. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Why does Jesus repeat himself? Does he think we're all deaf? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. I have to believe that he's trying to drive home a point. And if I'm reading this correctly, it's love one another. And yet we overcomplicate it. Well, I've got to fix this. And then, oh, they're not. We often think we need to get more. We need to talk more. We need to do more. I think Jesus in this passage of Scripture is saying, love more.
one of the most compassionate people I know is our daughter, daughter Leah. She's this 16-year-old bundle of energy who sometimes drives us crazy. One of the things I love about Leah is God has gifted her with this uncanny way of knowing when there's stress or there's tension or there's worry in the home. And she comes alongside and she'll be like, Dad, are you, are you okay? Yeah, kiddo, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, but you just, you're, you're real quiet. What, what's going on? And she wants to know. And she wants to feel. And she wants to lean into the, the mess. She wants to be there in it. Try and help everything be okay. I see her do it with her friends. It's compassion. It's willing to lean in to the mess. The reality is truly compassionate people have the ability to feel what others are feeling and then to act with kindness. Step out in action. Not to go, oh, I can tell they're hurting. I probably shouldn't ask the wrong question because then they're just going to unload on me. And I don't know if I can emotionally handle that right now. There's an old saying, be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Do you hear that? Be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Struggles the hurts, they might be laying just below the surface. Show kindness. Show love. Show compassion. Be humble. Sometimes the greatest gift of compassion we can give is simply to listen. It's simply just to sit with someone and to listen. And to be present. They don't need you to fix them. They don't need you to bandage them. They just need you to listen. The artist Prince, who I would not ordinarily quote a message, but in this area, he hits the nail on the head when it comes to compassion. He said, compassion is an action word with no boundaries. Did you hear that? Compassion is an action word with no boundaries. It means compassion can be shown anywhere and everywhere. It means that we don't have to stop showing compassion when we get home because we know all these people really well and they don't need compassion. They need direction, darn it. Well, we stop showing compassion when we leave the state of Oregon because, you know. I'm on vacation. I, just, I don't need to show compassion. This is my time. Now, compassion is an action word with no boundaries. And as followers of Christ, there should be no end to our desire to show compassion to everyone who crosses our path in life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? 
Father, we thank you that you loved us so much. You had so much compassion for your children as we were struggling in our sin and in our mess. That you desired to send your son to live a perfect life, to die a shameless death, to be raised to life again on the third day. And because of that, we have relationship with you. We, we experience the purest form of love and compassion. And in that, we're given the privilege, we're given the opportunity to share that same love and compassion with others. We ask that you would help us. Help us to find the courage to reach outside of ourselves. Help us to be sensitive and discerning of the people that you've placed in our path and in our sphere who need love, who need compassion, who need to be heard. Friends, this morning, my question to you is this. As your eyes are closed and you're allowing the Spirit of God to to speak to your heart, who did you encounter this last week? Who needed to experience compassion? Who needed somebody to love them? Perhaps their faces are going across your mind's eye right now as we sit here. The additional question is, who is God desiring you would show compassion to next week, this week, as you step out of this place, as you step into life? Who is God desiring you would show love to? Because when the Spirit of God places a name or a face or somebody on your heart, on your mind. We got to act now. So I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm too ADD to, to go on to the next thing. I'll just forget. And so Gretchen and I have made the conscious decision to have a list of people that we pray for each and every morning. We have a list of, of your names. We pray for you by name. We have a list of our family and, and friends and people that 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 we know are in in difficult places and circumstances. And we pray, God, show up in the midst of their situation. Show up and bless them. Bring healing. Bring your strength. Bring your peace. But it takes intentionality. It takes us being willing to act. God, we pray that you would help us to see the needs of others, not as interruptions to our day, but rather as opportunities to reflect your love for the people who need it most. Lord, we love you. We thank you for that. We thank you for giving us the ability to be a part of the work that you're doing. This morning, as we prepare to close our Prayer partners will be available to you after the service. You'll find them at the edges of the worship center. 
But before we conclude the service, each and every week we give an opportunity for people to respond. Because our greatest desire is that everyone who has a desire to have a relationship with Jesus would have that opportunity. So we don't ever conclude a service without giving that call. Knowing that many of you have never stepped into a relationship with Jesus and have, have made the decision to follow him with your whole heart. And some, some of you have, have been in that place where you've made a decision to follow Jesus and at some point during that process, something happened in life. Somebody hurt you. Somebody wronged you. Somebody breached your trust. You made decisions in life that, that took you away from your desire to follow Jesus. God has not forgotten about you. He has not dispensed with his plan and his purpose for your life. And he desires to walk with you today. And so we're going to say a prayer in just a moment. And we would invite you to say this prayer with us. And if you mean it from your heart, Scripture says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that Christ died and was raised from the dead, we'll be saved. That's all we have to do. We believe. We receive in faith the promise of new life. And so as a family, as a community, here in the house, you at home, we're going to say this prayer together because we don't want to embarrass anybody or single anyone out. But we believe that God is desiring to reach you today. So would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose today to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I'm excited that in, in the midst of a culture that's desiring to, to silence people and to separate people, God is saying, no, come together, love people, offer compassion, serve one another with no expectation of anything in return. And as we do each and every week, as we walk out of this place, my challenge to you is who has God placed right in front of you? Wherever he's placed you, there's an opportunity. And so as we say it every week, let's go. Let's literally be the hands and feet of Jesus. Not the patchwork pillow cliche, but the literal compassion-filled, love-filled people that God has called to serve. And as we challenge ourselves every week, Let's make the decision as we walk out of this place and into the world to continue to be the neighborhood. God bless you and have a great week. We'll see you next week.